0: We are Living by the Word Ministries, a non-profit organization dedicated to one cause. That cause is the truth given in the Holy Bible, which we believe is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, conferred to man to live by. We let the Word of God be the final authority as to what is or is not true. We strongly feel that if we do not expose false doctrine,
1: we only encourage it. This ministry is designed to challenge you from an apologetic point of view, 1 Peter three fifteen instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have.
0: But do this with gentleness and respect. This is Michael Tinsley.
2: Please stay tuned while we arm you, the believer, to keep living by the Word. It's the noble thing to do. Good evening, and welcome to all of our listeners, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you for joining the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen, and for the next two hours, we are here to answer your open, honest Bible questions. So you can start dialing right now. The toll-free number is one la talks one 528 I'm going to give it to you again a few more times. one la talks one 528 2557 now if you heard something in church today if you heard something in a bible study uh, if you had any discussion say with jehovah witnesses mormons atheists muslims uh people in the word faith movement um if you have a question just dealing with the bible give us a call that's why we're here One triple eight la talks one 528 2557 how about this one what if you're just reading your bible how about that? Okay. Uh, believe me, um, you are going to have a ton of questions if you just read your Bible. That's why we're here, folks. one la talks one It's a toll-free number. It's on our dime. doesn't cost you anything. So take advantage of it. I say it every week. This show goes as you go insofar as uh, we're here to answer your open, honest Bible questions. Right now, I'd like to introduce my good friend, Professor Craig Hawkins. Craig, you there? Let's see. He should be coming up. Craig, you there? Uh, I am. There you are. How you doing, my friend?
0: I'm doing okay. Yourself?
2: I'm doing just well. Uh, Looking forward to another good show tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, we want you to call in with your questions, one la talks one Now, one thing we don't want you to do, and we see this happens all the time, don't wait till 1145 to give us a call uh, because what'll happen is there would be a good chance you won't get your question on air. So take advantage of it right now. Now, another thing you could do, you can email us your questions. I know a lot of you guys like to do that. And uh, you can um, go to a couple ways you can do it. You can do go to uh, questions at bibleinfobrokers.com again questions at bibleinfobrokers.com uh, and then there's an area in there where you can uh, ask your questions um, or again just go on to the site Bibleinfobrokers.com there's a place where you can uh, put in your question or again just email us straight questions at Bible dot brokerscom Craig you're, you're getting ready uh, for your trip it's coming up soon right?
0: Yeah, you know, uh less, less than a month. Mm-hmm.
2: Praise God. And we want to thank our listening audience last uh, week that came through uh, to help support uh, Craig's trip. And so um, uh, definitely want to thank you for that. Again, I'm going to give you the number again, one la talks one 528 2557 And again, questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com. Craig, I got a uh, <clears throat> question for you. It's uh, from a friend of mine, Kevin. And, uh, uh, and his question is this. In the Nicene Creed, some churches recited, uh, says that Jesus descended into hell after he was crucified before he ascended into heaven. But Jesus told the thief on the cross that today he would be with Jesus in paradise. How do you guys explain this?
0: Well, I'd love to deal with that, Brian, but actually, first, I'd like to go back to my trip. People don't know that they might think I'm just taking a vacation or something, <laughs> and, and that people are paying for it. I'm actually going to India, where we've been gone for last four years in training pastors and Christian leaders, and uh, this year I had the pleasure of training uh, a number of leaders, about 25 or maybe more, uh, from Myanmar old Burma, uh, going into one of the states that's right on the border uh, in India, uh, on one of the borders of Myanmar, and training them. And people have been pitching in and helping to pay for those costs, costs to house and lodge uh, these, these folks uh, to, to help them to be able to come receive the training, which, of course, is free. There's no charge to them. And so we just want to, uh, well, first of all, I'm just extremely excited about this. It's an incredible privilege to do this. Every time I go to India, but I, even more so this time to me, when I'm getting a, another chance to going to Myanmar and, and train uh, Christian leaders, Brian, and then as well, of course, people have been helping with that to defray those costs again to get these folks there, to pay for their lodging, to pay for a facility to be able to meet in, and so on and so forth. And we've 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 met the minimal amount, uh, but I do want to say if people still want to give, they can do that because that, those funds will still be used. The money won't go for other purposes; it'll be used relative to this trip, and and the training and materials that I try to take as much as I can. Uh, my luggage is often way over the limit, but I can. there's a way you can do it because I have frequent flyer miles and whatnot. Um, so at any rate, with one of the airlines, I fly. So uh, anyways, Brian, people could still donate to that, and I do want to mention that. And of course, I really covered their prayers. I'll be leaving uh, Sunday, October 1st and gone just for about two weeks. So with, I wanted to mention that, Brian.
2: I appreciate that. And uh, if you want to continue to give uh, to... Uh, to uh, Craig's trip, you can go to the website, go to bibleinfobrokers.com, and there's a link that says support and donate. Uh, When you give that way, um, there's a place where you can put a little notation and uh, a lot of you have been doing that and just put on there uh, Professor Hawkins's trip or anything about Uh, Craig's trip, Professor Hawkins' trip, anything, so we know that's where those monies are going to go to. If you want to uh, mail it in, you can just uh, go to uh, uh, you can write your check out and put a little notation at the bottom of your check and just put Professor Hawkins' trip and that can go to uh, uh, bib-lbtw P.O. Box 90477 That's P.O. Box 90477 Los Angeles, California, nine thousand nine nine zero zero nine, and you can do that. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, the more the merrier always. And that's more information well, yeah, Craig can the, can give yeah. out. And uh, 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 flyers, bibles, in, information. I'm sure Craig, you got to do printing and stuff like that, stuff they need. So uh,
0: yeah, well, we buy materials and we take uh, and I take certain type of materials over to them that they can use uh... Actually, it's is fascinating. And I know we want to get to the questions, Brian, but uh... so again, all that will be used for either lodging them, for transportation, for food. Again, there's no charge to these guys. We don't charge them anything. And so um, you know, we often help defray their transportation costs and whatnot. So all the funds will be used for that, for materials and what have you. We're very, very scrupulous about that and how we handle funds that are donated it for various purposes that we do, like this one. Thanks, Brian.
2: No problem. Yeah. And and, and again, keep keep Craig in your prayers because right. you know it's it's kind of dangerous out there. And uh, you know you know Craig has come back and he has uh, let you guys know that you know one now they're they're watching and following him, and two, um, <clears throat> it's uh, what do what do you say, Craig? Like we we do not know how well we have it here. Uh once you go to a third world country and you know, where Christianity is illegal, you know, Craig has had uh some of his uh friends uh got, that are in jail, that have gone to jail because they were preaching the gospel. So it's uh it's it's totally different than out here in the United States.
0: Right. Yeah, so absolutely thanks Brian. We do cover people's prayers. Yeah, so now let's let's get to to Kevin's question, I believe you said. Yeah. Um Sure. and, and so uh, the Nicene Creed and actually Apostles' Creed, I believe he's actually was referring to. Um, it, it talks of, uh, and we believe these are very accurate overall uh, summarizations. Creeds. The, the the early Church had what they called the three chords, uh, the three chords, and they were number one that was Scripture. Number two, it was it were cre- well, they were creeds that they such as the Apostles' Creeds and other ones, and there are little hymns and little creeds that are found in Scripture. Um, as well. Um, And these were seen as accurate summarizations. They weren't on par with the Bible, but they were seen as accurately representing what Scripture teaches about Christ, about salvation, and the truth that God's given us. And number three was tradition, but not tradition in a Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox sense. Paradosis, a Greek word was used of the ostensible, the visible teaching of the Church. In other words, uh, there were some guys named Gnostics, or what came to be the Gnostics, and they were claiming, well, we really have the true teachings of the Apostles. We have these secret teachings. And they were the ones that actually invented or coined the term apostolic succession. That's not a Roman Catholic term originally. or uh, That is actually a uh, uh, Gnostics' uh, claim, who were actually into the occult and whatnot, most of them. So at any rate, uh, by tradition they meant no. In other words, we were taught Papius, Polycarp. You know, uh, they said we, uh, Irenaeus. We were taught by so and so, who was taught by apostle, or we were taught by John. Papius and Polycarp is the idea that they were taught directly by John. And this is what John said. This is what I mean. This is not. This is what I don't mean. This is when I wrote this. This is what I'm saying. And so, very clear. So some people claim to have some type of secret or esoteric. Uh, truths or interpretations of scriptures, and those are simply uh, unscrupulous. They're simply false. And that's the whole point of tradition. And we have to define it not as we use it today, but as the term was used by them, again, the Greek word paradosis. So the three chords uh, Brian and so the, the creeds we would say like the Apostles' Creed, one of the earliest, not literally. It wasn't literally said by the apostles, but it, it, I believe it's apostolic and it represents their teaching. Therefore, the Apostles' Creed, Nicene, uh, uh, Chalcedon, Chalcedonian Creed, and so on and so forth. These early creeds. Uh, but notice it, it actually does not say Christ went to Gehenna. That would be problematic if it said Christ went to Gehenna. And this creed was originally written in Greek. Uh, that'd be a problem. Then that means he would have went to what we would call basically hell, or will be such. But it says he goes to the realm of the dead, or and or uses the term Hades, and and there's no problem with that because the realm of the dead would include what we call Abraham's bosom, and, and if you look at now, some think it's a parable. I'm not so sure that's the case, but Luke 16. Uh, in particular, starting verse 19 to the end of the chapter, you have the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, I think it's literal, not just a parable. Uh, but either way, it conveys the truth that there is this realm of the dead, and there is this chasm or gulf between those who are in Christ, or will be in Christ, or would be in Christ, I should say, and the, those who are not well, awaiting punishment, the day of judgment, uh, the great white, great white throne judgment of God, talked about in Revelation 20. And so the point is, so Christ would have descended into this realm, or wherever this realm is. Maybe it's not literally descending, uh, we can debate that, but either way. So that's why Christ can say both to the, to, to, to the, the thief on the cross, uh, today you will be with me in paradise, and yet he descends into the realm of the dead, the, those who, some who are going to be, I would argue, moved into the very presence of God in some different significant sense versus those who are, as Peter tells us, in a place of punishment, awaiting the day of judgment. So they're both true, and in this case, the creed actually, I would argue, represents, indeed, apostolic doctrine, because that's what the New Testament, I would argue, teaches.
2: All right. Thank you so much, Professor. Hope that helps you out, Kevin. And if um, <clears throat> you got any other questions, give us a call one la talks one triple eight let us take advantage of these open lines that we have. Uh, let's go to uh, the Costa Mesa area, and we're going to talk to Joy. Joy, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Okay, uh, brothers, thank you. So my question is from John um, uh, 8, uh, 54, and John five thirty one, 31, where Jesus is saying uh, in John 531, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There's another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. And then in 834, no, 854, Jesus says, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It's my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. So um, why isn't it valid if Jesus bore witness of himself? Can you just kind of further expound on that, please?
0: Well, yeah, it's not really t- t- correct to say it's not valid. It just in in the Jewish tradition, something that was significant, and important, you needed two or three witnesses. So it, just because you only have one, doesn't mean that it's not true or legitimate. But for like, for example, in capital cases, they wanted two or three witnesses, and that was the standard for the most serious charges and the most serious claims to have two or three witnesses. So. Christ is not saying, my testimony is illegitimate. In fact, he, he says, I'm speaking the truth. But it's not just me testifying. The Father testifies of me in the Spirit as well. So that's what's going on there. So the language in English doesn't really capture the original language. It's not saying it's illegitimate, like, somehow, you know, if I just if I say something, it's illegitimate. No, it means, but the standard is two or three witnesses. So now I meet that burden. I meet that standard, we say and, it, therefore, his testimony should be received as true and as bearing the weight that's necessary to testify to something of the utmost importance.
1: Okay. I, I thought it was something like that. just wanted to be sure. And I see Yeah, it in a sometimes... It said. Mm-hmm, go ahead. The word Yeah, sorry, is Joey.
0: Yeah, sometimes English just doesn't do a good job with original languages, and it, it makes it text sound like it's saying something that's bizarre or simply not sane. And so... Christ is not saying, like, oh, you can't really trust me. You can't trust me, but you can trust the Father and the Holy Spirit. He's not saying that at all. He he says over and over again things like, which of you convicts me of sin? He says he speaks the truth over and over again. That's found, for example, throughout the Gospel of John. So we have to interpret, interpret the text in light of the context of the Jewish culture and the standard necessary for establishing what we call burden of proof and the most serious uh, type of claims, and claiming to be from God and the Son of God is, <laughs> constitutes one of those, and it needs the utmost weight to to bear uh, utmost um, accuracy or um, what's uh,
1: the standard
0: to meet that burden of that heavy weight of proof.
1: Very good. Yes. Or like it would be like today, too. I mean, just, you know, like you said, the testimony of two or three, and that's just one testimony.
0: Well, sure, and like in, in a court of law, right, Joy? I mean, related, slightly different. We have at least three standards of proof. There is what's called preponderance of evidence, which basically boils down to, technically, it would be 50.1, but really is like 51%. That, it technically is preponderance of evidence, more likely than not. That's that. I that, mean, that's the lowest, but that is preponderance of the evidence. Clear convincing evidence generally is uh, ballparking 70-75%. It's much more convincing. The mere preponderance of evidence, and in criminal cases, right, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. Doesn't mean there, there can't be doubt. There's no reasonable doubt. That is, there's using the reasonable inference rule of law. We know that that there can't be any explanation that's just as viable, just as reasonable as the one given. And so these are standards, are burdens that are used to help establish objective guidelines to establish, you know, claims in a court of law. And God, of course, is the author of justice and of law, if you will. Uh, and it reflects and flows from his nature, so we shouldn't be surprised that God meets his own standards.
1: Right. Thank you. Perfect. I appreciate that. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks, Joy. Okay. Thank you, you Joy. Again,
2: hey, an, again, another good question, Joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen with Professor Craig Hawkins. Uh, you guys uh, keep uh, Daryl and, and Rob in your prayers. They're not here tonight, so uh, uh, don't know what's going on. Uh, so definitely uh, keep them in your prayers. Once again, one la talks We do have some open lines. Take advantage of it. If the phone is busy, if it's busy, um, uh, just just continue to dial. We do have some open lines right now, so take advantage of it. one la talks one 888 If you want to email us a question, go to questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com, questions at Brokers dot com okay we are gonna go into the south bay area i guess you know where the, who's there craig that's our friend dan dan welcome to the show how are you hi how's it going oh uh, I- i'm okay how are you good okay, what well, you had a concert or something was that in the background
3: uh in front of 7-eleven
2: Oh, okay getting,
3: getting some coffee um Happy birthday. belated happy birthday. Didn't get to tell you last week.
2: Uh, Daryl cut me off. <laughs> well, that, that's typical, Daryl, so that's okay.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: hi, Craig. Hey, Dan. Good evening. Always great to hear from you, my friend.
3: Um, I want to talk about Coexist, the bumper sticker that we see that kind of uh, puts a little fire under my behind, because uh, it puts all of the... It's, it's kind of like ecumenical, because it puts the cross, it puts the, it's about, uh, it's trying to blend all, all religions. And it has the idea behind it to have a cultural co- coexistence, which I'm good with. I think we need that. But to try and make religions coexist, uh, which is to try and make us uh, accept their truth, which I'm never going to do. Um, So I I wonder if you've seen that sticker and if you know anything about that foundation, Craig and Brian.
0: Yeah, sure, that's been around for a while, and I actually spoke at a a diversity fair one time at a university, and I I was convinced I was was invited to be the diversity, because they were basically saying all paths lead to God, that while there's differences actually amongst our or other new, a- new agers or buddhists or hindus we're all basically saying the same thing so let me just say this i have no problem with coexisting uh, I, I, we, in the country we live in i believe people have the right to believe uh, what they want and god allows them to in this, in this <laughs> life even if it's wrong so i have no problem with coexisting and, and i will defend other people's rights to practice their beliefs as long as they don't try to inhibit others the problem is many want to basically, while they speak of tolerance, is I actually, when I spoke at CORE Church, I made the point that often the people who ch- who yell the loudest and talk the most about tolerance are actually the most intolerant. Um, yes. Yeah, so unfortunately that's true, and I gave a number of examples of this uh, in that talk, which I believe is loaded up on, on CORE's website, and Brian can reference that, and people can check that out.
2: It's on our website, um, too, as well, Craig
0: yeah but 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 uh so i have no problem with that but where i would have the difference would be that all religions are basically saying the same thing and you know there was a guy there was a guy named well, paul Nittner, and there was um a number of folks who've espoused that it. basically it's kind of like the proverbial elephant you know one person's grabbed uh there's five blind men one's grabbed the tail one's grabbed the leg one's grabbed the ear. one has the side of the elephant one has a trunk and they all have different descriptions of it, but the Raja, the king or the prince who's watching them, sees that it's the same elephant. They just have different aspects of it. But, of uh-huh. course, that assumes that, that, that there's somebody with the all-seeing eye to know that. Um, the, the, the problem is your religions, they're not... John Hick was a big proponent of this. Um, but the problem is that we're not saying the same thing. If you study, spend the time studying your religions, you'll see that they hold radically diverse, radically differentiating views. And in fact, I have books and have talked to Buddhists and Buddhist scholars and and monks and nuns and whatever, and they're actually offended when people say, well, you're just like a Christian, you just believe like they do. They're like, no, I don't. What are you talking about? You you know, have you ever studied Buddhism? Um, So it's not being a bigot, it's not being intolerant or an obscurantist. In fact, it's having spent the time studying these religions and talking to their leaders, they'll, they'll tell you, we believe different things. So I support their right to, be, to espouse without, um, without uh, coercion or, or you know, what have you uh, against them, just as I believe I have the same right to respectfully, civilly disagree in the marketplace of ideas. And I have that, of course, I have the command of God himself to, I would argue, we would say as Christians, to uh, represent Christianity. So, that's, so again, I have no problem with quote-unquote coexisting, the issue I have is, but don't try to make me say that we all believe the same, same thing, and we're just really using different words. You say potato, I say patata, but we're referring to the same thing. No, we're not. That's just not true. I want to say, have you ever read the Bhagavad Gita? Have you ever read the Upanishads of Hinduism? Have you ever read the Lotus Sutra of Buddhism? Obviously you haven't, because they're not saying the same thing. So... You know, and, that, and that's where in dialogues, I like to point out the differences and then let people uh, a phrase that actually Mortner Adler, a great philosopher who actually converted to Christianity literally did not just some you know mythical fictional account of the deathbed conversion but in the latter years of Mortner Adler's life he's a, a great philosopher uh taught at the University of Chicago and established a great book series in the form of education and was just a first rate philosopher in his own right and and founded the Aspen Institute. He did a book called Truth and Religion, based upon the idea of truth in advertising. He said, "Look, uh, some religions—they clearly differ, and and fairness and truth—we need to point this out, not to persecute people, not to be intolerant in quotes, but, but again, to, to clearly delineate where they differ, so that people can really make an informed decision of whether they want to follow any of these views." But you can't just say, put them in a blender, and they're all the same. I've made a cocktail out of this, you know, some concoction and then a blender. It's all uh, hom- homogenous, if you will. No, they're not. They have radically different views about God, whether there is a God, whether you can become a God, what salvation is, what's the purpose of life, the afterlife, and quotes, what have you. And we don't do it service to anybody by saying they all just say we arrive at the same place at the end of the day.
3: No, clearly not.
2: D- Dan, we can kind of call this the Oprah bumper sticker.
3: Well, on top of it, though, at the end of their mission statement, the last words in it, a new world order, that yeah. also hits yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have no problem with, especially in this country, to have a coexistence of cultural, art, you know, because we all come from our different cultures. No problem with that. But with a biblical worldview, I can't do coexistence of all religions. Well, it's going against right. what we're told in, in Scripture. Right but, we
0: have to, right, but I want to make that, I have to explicitly say that, because otherwise people don't know that.
3: And I understand say, I'm, when I'm with yeah. you, and that's what I'm saying. The same thing right. you're saying is is we have to stand up as Christians so we don't fight this proverbial bait that the devil oh, will put out yeah. there that all, all paths lead to God. They may lead to a certain extent towards God, but there's only one door, and it's through Jesus Christ.
0: Right, and so, as Christ said, that he alone was the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through him. And Amen, like and that, it's
3: our chan- this is our chance to really stand up for what's right and to tell well, the truth. Sure. And, and we And we've got to stop being namby-pamby Christians and laying down for this, because God doesn't like it, and we've got to stand up and say, and, and and express our views. Well, sure. Though so it looks it, like intolerance, right? They're well, they're really and, the ones that are intolerant. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna accept what they say is their truth and and mix it, try and mix it with ours and water us Well, down. yeah, it's called syncretism. And so,
0: yeah, the, 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 there are people. If you say the New Age movement, are pushing for a one world religion, just like a one world government. And they and and there is, a, you know, we talk about Rome, and it's it's civil religion and the Caesar worship, but we really have almost the same thing today in America. And, and by that I mean we're told we have to believe in chant that all paths lead to God, that all views are equally valid in the sense of equally true, which is ludicrous. That's like saying there's every way you can go can get you to Washington, D.C. That's just simply it's like, not true. Well, it's,
3: like Greece. it's like in Greece when Paul came up and saw they had all the many gods and he preached about the unknown God, but they were trying to do the same thing to appease all gods.
0: Uh, well, yeah, those who did that statue, right. And so, so at any rate, so we 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 want to do people the ultimate service by, by respectfully, civilly, patiently explaining the differences and that they're not the same. And I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, you know, all religions are the same, they're all lead the same, say the same thing. And I had to go through and say, well, no, let me explain uh, views of Islam or of Hinduism and Buddhism right. to you and go talk to them, and they're not going to say they're all the same. So... That that and by the way, even in Hinduism, which people think, you know, well they believe everybody's saved and all paths lead to God. That you read Hindu literature, they don't believe that at all. That's not true. So, but but people can say this because we live. There's an old saying, it's most Americans are like America, about 3,000 miles wide and about an inch deep. We live in a sound bite. We live in, literally, you're asking about a bumper sticker, but I mean, literally, no pun intended, we, we are living in a day and age of, of sloganism, of you know, jingoes. Of advertising jingles, and we're living in a day and age of bumper sticker uh, about the most important issues of life. People want some little pithy saying that you know put on a bumper sticker, as if that's true. And it's like, folks, you might want to spend a little more time on these ultimate issues than just putting something on a bumper. Sticker and thinking that that somehow accurately represents reality and describes what life's all about and what all religions or philosophies
2: actually teach. And, and you know, it's interesting, uh, Craig and Dan. You know, Craig, remember the video um, that uh, the the guy interviewed the folks from uh, the uh, College Washington State or University of Washington, mm-hmm. and it was it was uh, you know. Here he is a five foot two white guy saying, well, what if you think I was a six foot five uh, female, Chinese female? And, you know, the the response, well, you know, if that's what you believe in, you know, that's what you really think you are. That's what you are. And it, it's uh, it's this whole issue of uh, relativism. It's uh, like like Dan was saying, like, you know, the bumper sticker uh, is insinuating that pretty much all all roads lead to to heaven and you know it, it's like now the whole issue of truth is coming out again you know what is truth and and does it matter and when you look at you know a jehovah witness um you know jesus uh was uh, was born okay uh when you look at a mormon jesus is the uh spiritual brother of lucifer and if you look at uh another religion, you know, Jesus is somebody else. They cannot all be the same. They cannot all be right. And so, uh, again, it's, it's that whole age of, of just uh, nonsense, you know. Well, Truth doesn't matter. Yeah,
0: sure, Brian. People confuse or conflate the the idea that, for example, in America, they have the right to believe what they want, that that somehow makes it true. That one holds an opinion, we can establish that, does not mean it's true. Uh, at all. People think again, I have a right to believe something, therefore that makes it true. No, it doesn't. It doesn't follow at all. There are people who believe, well, all kinds of things like with investment portfolios, and have lost everything they've had because they believe something that was false. And so, just as people have lost you know, all, all their, their funds they'd save for retirement or otherwise, someone might want to spend a little time dealing with ultimate issues and the big question of is there an afterlife? And pray tell, what is that like, and what is the key to finding um, uh, the proper place And Dan's Dan so right, and you know, referencing basically John 14:6, and of course Acts, where Peter says, uh, "Neither is there salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among people whereby we must be saved." And we realize there are people right now, millennials and others, who think that's really bigoted, that's really narrow. And well, we get we get that that appears that way to you. But we'd say, look, why don't you spend a little time to see if what we're saying is true. Um, you know, could you imagine, again, I often say, you go to the doctor, and God forbid the doctor, she tells you, you have a terminal illness, and you say, and there's really only one form of treatment right now, or there's one medication or one s- uh, surgery, procedure that w- will help save your life. And then you go, well, that's really narrow. I mean, that's how narrow of you to say that. I mean, there should be many ways. It's like, <laughs> knock yourself out. You can believe whatever you want. Of course, you're going to die We'll right in your obituary much sooner than later. But it's like, that has nothing to do with narrow. It has to do with whether it's true. Uh, that's the issue. If there's not many ways to do something, then then to, to talk, to scream that it's, in, it's intolerant or it's narrow is just simply irrelevant and uh, indeed it's ludicrous. It's absurd. The question is, is it true? If you're going somewhere and the bridge is out, You can complain all you want, say it's intolerant, that bridge ought to be there, but let's say it's washed out, you know what, my friend, deal with reality.
2: Amen. Dan, thank you so much. Yeah, Dan. Again, another good question. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Bible Information Brokers. Um, Greg, we might do some teaching. I'm wondering where our callers are, and I'm wondering if our lines are working, because normally we have a full board at this time of the show, and we have a completely open board, so... If you have questions, give us a call, one la talks one 5282557. And call just so, well, we have some callers call in. I'm just wondering if our lines are, we have some issues with our line uh, because we have a completely open board. one la talks one 1-888- five two eight two five five seven. You can also email us at questions at Bibleinfobrokers.com Bibleinfobrokers.com. Uh again, that number one triple eight LA Talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Greg, we do have an email question. It says can you say if the book of Job is a tr- is true of or probably meant true or fiction. Does it explain evil in the world and good people who suffer?
0: Well, sure. Um, and then I'd like to address uh, an ultimate issue, Brian, speaking of uh, the idea of salvation and many paths of God or what have you. Or some would say, well, I don't believe in God, therefore he doesn't, that being doesn't exist. Whoops. Um, the book of Job actually is the oldest book in the Bible, uh, and by that, we're not saying it describe the oldest events, of course that would be Genesis, but as far as the most ancient, as far as actual writing, would be the Book of Job. And you could read something like what's called an introduction to the Old Testament, for example, by Gleason Archer or others. Uh, those are technical terms, but introduction doesn't mean they're just easy, but that means that they're giving you the background, the teaching, the, the theme or themes, writer, time period, and the it's in Leben, they say in German, the the cultural background, uh, the uh, historical context of the writing of the book or what have you. Um, so, yeah, I, I would argue, yes, the book of Job is, it's not fiction. It is a, Job was a literal individual, um, and it very accurately describes ultimate issues, what happened to one man and his family, and ultimate issues. And so I, I believe the book of Job is has an incredible value and significance, and it's not to be chalked up as like something like Aesop's Fables, something that's not literally true, but maybe imparts some you know, great moral or pithy or proverb or uh, some type of axioms to live by, but is not literally true, again, like a, something like Aesop's Fables or what have you, these stories that are not true but have a moral point to them. Um, that's not the Book of Job. It's not in that genre at all. Um, but, but I do need to point out as well that, the biblical view is there are no good people. If you mean by perfect people, if you mean people who uh, that God owes eternal life to, that ha- have never messed up, there is no perfect person. There is no good person. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And uh, for the Bible tells us there's none good. No, not one. Look at Pro- uh, Excuse me, Psalms, not Proverbs, but Psalms 14, 1 and 2. Also, the book of Romans, uh, chapter 3, verses 9 through 19 very clear, the biblical view is there is nobody who's who's good in the sense of without fault. Yeah, some people are better than others, but that's a relative standard in the sense of you might be better than me, but that's not saying much. I'm not perfect. I'm not the standard, and for that matter, neither are you. Um, so, yeah, yeah, the book of Job has incredible insight. I believe uh, that God gives us, He gives us a behind the scenes peak, if you will, of what's really going on in the world, at least in this one and this one's, uh, context of the life of this guy named Job. And I believe you're going to meet Job in heaven, absolutely. Assuming, assuming you're going to heaven, I believe you're going to meet him there. And uh, he's a literal person who horrible things happen to, but at the end of the day, God, uh, God redeems it, and we, he, teaches, he teaches us these enviable lessons through the, the, the life of this man named Job. So I hope that answers that, Brian. Hey, Brian, I do want to say, you know, we're talking about ultimate issues here, and talking about, you know, the there are many paths to God. Are are Hindus and forget Hindus versus Buddhists? There's different schools of thought of Hinduism or Buddhism. Are you Theravada, Mahayana? Do you hold the Zen Buddhism? Do you hold a Pure Land Buddhism? I mean, what form of Buddhism are you talking? Um, and they disagree among themselves, let alone with Muslims and uh, Sunni or Shia. I mean, so. There's all these distinctions that have to be made. And we know that people, some people think, well, all that matters is being sincere. As long as you are sincere, then that's what matters. But I hate to tell you this, but sincerity is a nice virtue, but it doesn't have anything to do with truth. You can, there are people who sincerely believe they could fly uh, or, uh, and have jumped off buildings and have died. There are people who think, sincerely thought a plane was flight-worthy and was not. Um, and so on and so forth, and it sometimes costs them literally their life. So sincerity does not have anything to do, per se, with truth. Uh, it's a nice virtue overall, but it doesn't mean just because you're sincere that you're right. Indeed, the Bible would tell us, in essence, there's a way that seems right to a person, but the ends thereof are death, as we are told in Proverbs. And the idea is they're very sincere in their belief, but they're sincerely wrong. And you can even watch programs there. There's all these types of programs where people sincerely thought something was true, and it cost them their life. And so we're not saying again, people don't have a, a, a right. For example, in America, to practice and believe what they want, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is because they have a right under our constitution and our form of government, that does not mean that therefore it's true. Again, you can think you're a car, you can park yourself in a garage, but don't ask the rest of us to call you. Uh, a Ford or a Chevy or what have you. That's that's just silly. You can believe what you want, but that doesn't make it true. What I want to say, Brian, is, look, the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ claims to be ultimate truth. He claims he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, His followers claim that he alone is the way of salvation. And I I can hear people saying, you know, that's really narrow. That's intolerant. Well, no, it's not. If it's true, it's true, my friend. Just like if something doesn't work, if you have a proposal how to solve a mathematical problem or an engineering issue, because you're trying to make a, you know, the the space shuttle or something else, you can't propose any old hypothesis. Uh, or ex, uh, or um, uh, explanation to solve some problem, for example, for space flight, and, and then someone disagrees because it simply doesn't correspond to the laws of the physics and engineering as we know them. And you say, well, that's intolerant, that's narrow, that's irrelevant. It's whether it works or not. I.e., whether it's true. Christ claims to be truth. He claims to be the door of salvation. He claims to be life. And my friend, it's a question of looking at these issues and examining him and seeing if it's really true. Is he a worthy guy? Does he speak the truth? And I would argue if one examines him, indeed the Bible tells us, God says, come see, taste that the Lord is good. Test me, try me, in the appropriate sense, that is. Um, And I believe they'll see that Christianity is true, more specifically that Jesus Christ really lived. He was who he claimed to be, which is not a Galilean boy scout, which is not some... Moral do-gooder was not some avatar, one of many ways of salvation, but he claimed, again, he alone was the way. He claimed he alone had the keys to the kingdom. He alone was the truth. Those claims deserve to be looked at, and people are only hurting themselves by not examining those claims and coming to terms with the full claims of Christ. Uh, C.S. Lewis once said, "You know, if people want to claim again, he's a great moral teacher. But he claimed to be God, and if he's not, then he's a he's a lunatic, he's a liar, a madman, or what have you, or or deceived, if you will. I would add that option. Um, but don't just call him a good teacher. You can't make the claims that Jesus did. And if he's not truly the Son of God, God the Son, then he wasn't a great teacher because he told falsehoods about himself and about afterlife, the meaning and purpose." and significance of life. You know, I've said a lot here, Brian, and I think of this Labor Day weekend, and I believe God would say to us, look, you know, the holiday is really to honor those who work and, and ideally to have some rest. And, of course, God offers us the ultimate, ultimate Labor Day, the ultimate resting from our works, and that is the attempt to make ourselves right with God through our good works, to earn or merit, His favor, so that He will accept us. That he will receive us, and for example, Muslims believe they have to do certain things to merit uh, the approval of Allah and to enter paradise, and uh, do as do most religions, if not all religions, except Christianity. Jesus says, "No rest from your works. You can't earn my favor. You can't merit it because you'd have to be perfect, and you'll never measure up." But as we trust in Christ and we appropriate, as we receive. His work for us, what he's done on our behalf and our place. If one will trust in him in that sense, he grants them eternal life. Uh, One of our favorite passages, I know, Brian, of yours and mine, is in 1 John 5.13, where John says, We write these things to you who believe that you may know that you have eternal life. This isn't what we call an optative or a remote possibility or a subjunctive uh, possibility. It's an indicative. He's saying, no, you can know that you present tense have eternal life because that's the life that God gives. It's not just a long life. It's the quality of the life, life in that more abundantly. And my friend, with all due respect, with all due respect, it is found in Jesus and him alone. Examine his claims. Test them. See if they're true. And we believe it will radically transform your life and not just for here and now but for all eternity so don't start change yourself find the ultimate rest from your labor and the finished work of jesus christ on your behalf and receive him as your lord and savior And know that right now he will give you eternal life
2: amen thank you for that professor and um i'll say it every week out of this two-hour broadcast that's the most important thing you're going to hear and um if you did accept Christ as Lord and Savior, give us a call. We'd like to definitely talk to you. And so, uh, you know, eternity is too long to be wrong. And, you know, it's, it's nothing to play with. It, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed the next hour, the next minute. You never know. You just never know. Because once you leave this earth, you're, you're in eternity. You know, what's the old saying? Jesus Christ, don't leave earth without him. Because uh, once you do, uh, you have judgment. So, thank you so much for that, Professor. Greg, someone wants uh, wanted, um, what's the note? Wants you to speak on Joel Olstein and I guess whatever went on with the whole issue with uh, Texas. Uh, is that something we want to deal with?
0: Well, I mean, and it's not a personal attack upon him. This isn't what's called an ad hominem. Uh, he is a purveyor of what's called the Word-Faith Movement, which we believe does not represent Christianity. The idea that not just that God wants you healthy and wealthy, that, that he owes it to you, that he has to give it to you, that you can demand it if you use the faith of uh, what they call faith, which is a total misunderstanding of what faith is, like it's some type of power, like electricity or something else you can tap into, or nuclear energy, and then do things with it. Um, uh, and by, our way, by the way, our good friend Robert Bowman does a very good job in talking about this and explaining what's wrong with the views of people like Joel Olstein in his book, The Word-Faith Controversy, The Word-Faith Controversy by Robert Bowman. So we would reject much of Olstein's teachings of, again, that God is always going to bless you financially. If you trust and believe in him, you will be basically wealthy, you know, financially speaking. Um, and, yeah, there was a big problem, his, you know, his facility. At first, he would not open the doors to those who were suffering from the flood, yeah. uh, from the from the horrible, you know, storms that have come through from Har- Harvey, the hurricane that went through, you know, major swaths of uh, Texas and Louisiana. And at first, he was not, until he got some criticism, he was not willing mm-hmm. to open his doors and allow people to use his facilities. And it's kind of like, you know, this is uh, really problematic. You claim to be Christian. And, you know, and you've actually benefited from the people in this area. Their funds have helped build your facility or pay for it, I should at least say. And you're not willing to help them. And then he had, he changed his tune finally, yeah. but many would say. But you know what? He showed his colors right. uh, at first when he would not allow his facilities to be used to help people. And, Brian, some of them literally are in dire in dire straits. Exactly. Without their homes, without,
2: yeah, go ahead. Brian. No, I'm just saying I, that's the way I personally feel as well. Uh, there was enough pressure and enough uh, remarks that were being made enough things. I mean, it, it went world, it went worldwide on the news about, uh, you know, his, his church. And, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, this man making millions of dollars and here people are in need and you can't, it's a building, it's a church. Okay. It's, it's wood. And, uh, and, and they couldn't open the doors and uh, you know, to hear, you know, and it just really bothers me when, you know, I heard him on T V saying, Well, no, that's not true. We had a little flood damage in the bottom and it it was just it was just like a total mockery. And and, and again, the sad thing is, you know, people look at that and say, Oh, that's what Christianity's <laughs> all about and it's you know, it's supposed to represent me. No, it doesn't. And so um it, you know, he he got he got caught in so far as uh Uh, you know, saying some stuff and and not responding. And like you say, Craig, these are people that are in his community that uh, helped him build that church and, uh, you know, is allowing him to make the kind of money that he does. And uh, it's it's just wrong.
0: Well, it is. And uh, a friend of mine, Frank Beckwith years ago, wrote an article called The Problem of Hypocrisy. And And, you know, there are people, Christians, in some segments of the Church, that do things they should not do, Indeed, do the very opposite of what we believe as Christians. But I would say, and I think that's a great essay, The Problem of Hypocrisy by Francis Beckwith, a first-rate philosopher. I think it's, Frank's very good on these issues. Um, but I would say, you know, the history of the Church is that, you know, who you think founded so many hospitals and, and leper colonies and orphanages and organizations, you know, to help feed and clothe people and educate them? That's what the Church has been about. We're here not for ourselves, but to, to bless others and to help them. And that includes when they need food and shelter and clothing, as we're able to do that, we want to freely share. Indeed, there are so many that do that. Or, you know, when there's some type of tsunami or... Uh, major earthquake or or what have you. Often, many Christian organizations, even originally the Red Cross, right, uh, lit- originally, were or used to uh, to uh, galvanize and um, get Christians to go out and help people who were in need. And so, it, yeah, I, I I mean, I'm not going to make an excuse for it. I think it's unacceptable. It's anti-Christian and and it it flies in the face of the history of the church. Which if you examine the records, again most many not most, many hospitals historically and uh, you know, orphanages and whatnot were Christian. I think even the big tsunami X amount of years ago uh, that hit many of Muslim countries and Christians were still over there and didn't play respectable persons were there to help them with food and clothing wa- uh clothing and, and you know, potable water and what have you. Uh so yeah, I just you know, some of these guys like, you know, Robert Tilton, people might not remember him, I know who that is, and others have been caught doing things that are just really wrong and uh, um, um, benefiting themselves. There was a guy named Larry Lee, for example, Brian. I think he was actually from Texas as well. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of this. Okay, so here's another guy who was into this stuff, and I think he's back out there again. Larry Lee was on t v and whatnot in the same type of stuff I believe he lives in Texas, but he owned actually a number of houses and what happened actually one of his houses did one of them he owned i believe at the time five houses, and some of them were basically mansions they weren't they were palatial they weren't just you know even you know twenty five hundred square feet or thirty five they were massive they were palatial and one of his houses was either uh, you know burned substantially or at least significantly caught on fire. And then he used that to ask people to give donations because he had suffered personal loss and whatnot. And they said, you know, they would show the pictures of this one house that had been burned, seriously, and said, you know, we've lost lost clothing and you know, real and personal property. And hey, can you help us out, right, man of God? You know, we need your help. What he didn't tell people was he owned four other homes. And so you know what, that stuff is unacceptable by anybody, but it's particularly loathsome when it's done by people who claim to be men of the cloth, people who claim to be ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That does not represent Christianity. That does not represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, uh, we don't want to just throw you know, stones at people, but we, we, we do not want to try to do excuse the inexcusable. We want to acknowledge it and say it was wrong. He never should have done that, and that's, we will not accept that type of behavior in the name of Christ.
2: Amen. All right, thank you so much for that, Craig. Hope that helped you out who wanted that information. You're listening to the Bible Information Brokers One Triple Eight LA Talks on Triple Eight Five Two Eight Two Five Five Seven. Coming up to a break. Uh, we got about three or four more minutes. Let's uh, let's get this uh, caller up, and then we'll probably take the question, and then get them on hold and answer it uh, right after the break. So we're gonna. Go to Redondo Beach, and we're going to talk to Stephen. Stephen, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
3: How's it going, guys?
2: Doing great. Your question for this evening, uh, Stephen?
3: Yeah, I was just thinking of the type of torment before somebody goes into the lake of fire, an unbeliever, mm-hmm. exactly what kind of situation are they in, what kind of thought process does God speak to them, uh, what are, what are, are they restless, do they have some, some kind of pain they're in? Or, I wonder if you guys could give me that second-level type
0: thinking in this manner
2: right
0: uh, I would say I can't stephen uh, all I know is I don't want to be in their situation, and whatever the suffering's going to be i I don't want to be anywhere involved in it um w what, what only I could say, and there are books and things and there are people who tell you well i can they would say, well, I can tell you Hawkins can, but I can't I'd say no, they're guessing, but I think there are some good books that deal with these type of topics and give you as much. You know, background and insight as we could possibly muster, since the Bible doesn't really give us uh, a very explicit insight into these matters. But, but what I do know and would say is this: is that they know why they're there. They're it's not like, oh, I have no idea why am I in trouble. God's very explicit, just like in a court, a court of law here in, in America, when properly done, is. no, these are the charges against you. This is the evidence, and you're guilty. And this is why. Now, here's the punishment that's coming for what you did. It's not just like. You know, we have what we call uh, habeas corpus. You have the right to know to have explicit charges what they are against you, and then of course they have to prove them through procedural due process. And and so it is God all the more so. They will know exactly why they're in trouble. And uh, you know, it, I, I think it, you know it's a great question, Stephen. I'm not knocking your question at all. I just don't think the Bible gives us enough insight into. And I think some people are different. Some people. Uh, it just like even today, you know, some people get convicted of crimes, they're going to go to jail, and they're like, uh, whatever. And there's others, you know, that you know may boohoo or cry or whatever, and others are, you know, wringing their hands or working through. I think people will respond differently. What I do know is, is that they will know w- yeah. what the charges are against them, why, how they failed God and others, and what they did, and why they're being. Uh, going to be separated from God for all eternity, and they won't be joking about it or uh, laughing and thinking they're gonna have a good time with their buddies You, you don't trifle with God uh, You know that's gonna be very, very serious and that uh, they will know such
2: and the thing is, you know Craig if, if you look at what the Bible does say about it It does talk about that it is torment It does talk about there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It does say it's eternal. It's forever and then it talks about a place of unquenchable fire. So, um, you know, th- that you know, Jesus warned on hell more than he ever did on heaven. And so, like Craig says, you know, this is one place you don't want to be. So, yeah. I want to thank you for your. Uh, uh, was that it, Stephen?
0: Yeah, pretty much. And you know, I just want to, you know, it's kind of spooky thinking about it when you're talking about eternity. It, it, it is.
2: Yeah. Well, we, we're com- we're coming up to our top of the hour break. So, uh, Stephen, thank you so much for your call and. Uh, Good question. Thank you, sir. Uh Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen with Professor Craig Hawkins. Um, Coming up to the top of uh, the hour break... Uh, we have some open lines, one la talks one 888 During the break, let's get these phone lines lit up. Greg, Samuel, hey, we got easy on the line. Uh, we will get to your questions on the other side. Again, one la talks one 888 We will be back right after these messages.